Today's medical sales leader. I am your host, Claire Davis, and today I have someone phenomenal with me. I am so looking forward. This has been in the works for a while, and uh, if you haven't met him already, it's the one and only Omar Khatib. Omar, how are you doing today in that beautiful library of yours? Uh, I'm talking to Claire Davis. I mean, I couldn't be doing better. What a, what a great intro. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on today. Um, I absolutely love how you've just exploded onto the scene here in the last couple of years, specifically on social media, really trying to make an incredible dent in med tech, and you already are in record time. So if you don't mind, I'll introduce you, and then we can get into really uh, a little bit of your journey and what you're up to today. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, so Omar is the founder of Kativ & Co., a company that helps medtech startups attract investors and grow sales pipelines using social media and the state of medtech, the number one podcast in medtech. This is true based off a number of reviews, of course, and his incredible following and loyal fans on multiple social channels. And I'm absolutely thrilled because not only does he have this incredible mission of making this medtech splash, but Omar has actually made an incredible transition in his career, starting with medical school to what he's doing now. So Omar, can you give, for those who haven't met you yet, can you give him just a little bit of a background on where you were initially planning on starting your career and sort of the journey to how you've gotten here today? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. And, you know, I have a father who's a who's a general surgeon, private practice. I really looked up and admired my father. And, you know, I grew up at a time where, like, being a surgeon was like a big deal, right? And so I wanted to be a surgeon did all the things. And just to be clear, like I, I literally went to medical school. Some people say oh, I was in medical school and then you find <laughs> out like, no, you're just pre-med in college. But no. Welcome back to another episode. I went to medical school in Texas at Texas Tech University. Um, I was on a full scholarship, uh, mm-hmm. academic scholarship. And about halfway through, I just realized it was not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the one thing I tell people in their careers is that, you know, here in the West, we, we get too hooked up on like objectivity and data and blah, 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 which is fine. But I think we've gotten farther away from like listening to our gut or our mm-hmm. intuition, which is very subtle. It's not driven by ego, never gives you de- details. And it's very scary to follow it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in medical school, like I just got this feeling like it was like a very subtle nudge, like, oh, you shouldn't be here. And I remember I would bury that voice under like, no, 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 no. Cause we get scared when we hear that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, long story short, I sat down with my father one night and, you know, it was, it was a multiple conversation. I talked to him and I was like, this is how I'm feeling. And I, I, you know, it was a dream. Like, you know, just to, just to put people in perspective of how hard it, you know, first to get into med school, it's like 0.5% of people get in. Um, Mm -hmm. I struggled with the MCAT. Uh, but because of my schoolwork uh, of a research, a variety of things, not only did I get in, I got pre-accepted, I got full scar. So it's like almost like a rags to riches story. I, I did all this. And then like a couple years in, it's like, oh no, this, this may not be for me. So my father told me, you know, like, look, it's only going to get more difficult. And if you feel like this now, like you're going to be miserable and you're going to make a terrible, terrible physician. You're not going to help anybody. And so I left medical school without a plan. That's number one, which I want to tell people, which is sometimes 
you know, it's, it's sometimes it's better to have a plan. Like if you're in a lousy job, it's always better to go job searching and transition when you have a job. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Life is short. And sometimes, sometimes the best way to learn how to swim is to just jump in the water and you'll figure it out on the way. And it's mm-hmm. very scary to say that. But, you know, when I left, it was like a huge weight lifted off of my chest, like huge weight. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was depressed when I left because I didn't know what to do. I had some anxiety because like, I hate using the word anxiety, but like my whole identity was built around, I'm going to be a doctor for like 10 years. That's like built in my head. And now it's like that, that identity is gone. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's very, so, so I had no idea, but this idea of the new thing was very liberating. It was very empowering. Right. And I'd say I went through the exact same process, although I was much more prepared uh, a year and a half ago when I decided, yeah, you know what? I am, I think I'm done working for other people and I'm, I, I feel ready to become an entrepreneur, even though I just like back 10, 15 years ago, I didn't know what, you know, what to do when I left med school, when I left corporate world, I had no idea how to make money. I had no idea what my business was going to be. I just said one day, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. How am I going to make money? Because rents rents due next month. I live in Southern California. Ain't cheap here. Had a pregnant mm-hmm. wife at the time. Anyway, I I kind of you know told that whole thing just to say that to really encourage people to get in touch and pay attention to their intuition. And the best way to practice your intuition is every single week with little things like you know maybe walk into a store and just say like oh, which way should I go and just kind of feel feel that out. Or if somebody says hey. You want to do this? You want to come to this party? Just answer based on how you feel. Don't even think about it. So that way you practice things that don't matter so that when the big things come up, then you make the right decision. I love that this conversation is going this way, honestly, Omar. Yeah, Um, most people don't expect that kind of answer when they ask me this question. But I I spent almost 10 years really studying and reflecting and analyzing what happened. Right. Well, and, you know, probably there was a bit of pressure from not wanting to disappoint your family, like your dad was a surgeon. And I mean, there's some pride. In, was there pride there, too, where you oh, yeah. to carry on the tradition? Yeah, sure. there, there, I, I had I had in my mind and we kind of thought like I would, you know, become a surgeon. Maybe if I was in gen surge, maybe we 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 practice together or like do surgery because there's like some father son duos like in practice. Yeah. You know, so there's like this whole thing built up, not to mention like. The community pressure, like I was in the vocal paper, they're like all, all the, all the persuasion needed to prevent me from making that decision. And I think that's the most important thing about, I think being in business or so, the more you understand persuasion or psychology, the more you understand why you make decisions, why you don't make decisions. And then at that point, anything's possible in this world, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And it's true. And what I find, at least from the career space, is that often we don't give ourselves that credit of trusting our intuition, even when things go really bad. I was just sharing a story today on LinkedIn where um, there was a there was a company, unfortunately, that had cut uh, commission and also had essentially de incentivized, you know, decentivized their their workers, um, and then said, "Oh, nope." In six months, you'll get a raise, but then also took away any overtime pay. So in the end, it was a pay cut. Um, yet a lot of these folks don't feel comfortable to make a move because mm. in their mind, it's I've prepared for this. I've studied for this. I'm practicing finally, right? I've got my own practice. And um, 
they they took a while to really get comfortable with the idea that they deserve more and that it is scary, but absolutely worth following your gut. So I really like what you're saying about this. So, um, you know, for, for, so walking into the grocery store, right? Do I turn right? Do I turn left? Saying which, which party do we want to go to? Maybe we're not feeling it that night. Um, what are some, are, do you see any other sort of tangible ways that people can evaluate what that next step is going to look like? I feel like most people probably result to a, like a pros and cons kind of list. Yeah, and I don't I don't like pros and cons because you're 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 still biasing yourself, right? The mm-hmm. whole the, you know uh, what I I think you know the whole idea of intuition is getting is and this is like part of sales, which is like really developing the skill of curiosity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and really digging in to get to the source of truth. Um, you know, sometimes when it comes to following your intuition, like I'll have conversations with people and sometimes you need somebody to tell you like, oh, this is exactly what you should do. Great. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you're in the in a in a moment of discovery, all you're just trying to do is get exposure to ideas. And sometimes when I tell um, and I, I got to credit him because I've been using this a lot. Todd Zog, who's really well-known sales sales trainer in, in our industry and everything. Um, when I first reached out to him, I was a. Uh, getting some advice from him and he, and he told me something great. He's like, look, I have no advice to give you, but I have a lot of ideas. And I think that's, I, like that. I think, yeah, I think that's a lot what people should be looking for sometimes is that sometimes the best person to decide what you should do is you. Right. And especially in the world today, like it's not like 10, 20 years ago, like the, the world in the market's changing so fast. It's, it's tough mm-hmm. to actually know what's going to happen. So sometimes like, getting the ideas of what direction you should go. Like you're better off going in the right direction really slowly than in the wrong direction fast. Yeah. Brilliantly said. And you know, it's funny because often when someone comes to traction resume, so um, you guys out there, you know, we have, we write resumes for medical sales professionals. Um, Usually the conversation goes something like this. Hey, Claire, what do I have to do on my resume to get this job that I want? Yeah. And they're looking for like a little shortcut. It's like right. the one thing, yeah, and it's just it's just not the world we live in. No, it, it, there's no tip or trick. It's specific to what you want next. It's specific to your individual path and what you're bringing forward. So I always surprise, I think I surprise a lot of people when my first reaction is, well, what is it you want to do? Because sometimes they don't even believe that that is what we can go after. They think like, well, what? who would settle for me? Who would? Yeah. Who would take a chance on me right now? But I'm like, no, no, no. Let's back up because you have a ton to offer. It's what you want. And that intention is incredibly powerful toward getting oh, what you do want. Absolutely. And, like, yeah. you know, uh, I'll say something. Like, I, I'm a big proponent. I learned this, fortunately. I mean, I feel like I learned it too late. Well, not too I learned it later than I should have, but early enough that I benefited still. But I, I really encourage people, like, work with professionals like look you you and your and your company are professionals at packaging individuals essentially right yeah and like between the resume the interview and everything like you're essentially creating a package like a wrapper for the product and so i think that's really important which is like who do you want to be because that's the package we have to create and again like could someone go and figure this out on their own probably the problem with that is that when you're doing this on your own even myself as much as i meditate, I do mindset stuff, all these, I still spend money on 
coaches or surgeons and everything because I need somebody objectively to help me manage my own personal biases and and help me figure out the direction I need to go. Like even now, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. There is a service I pay where every week I'm reporting to somebody that my projects for the week and we talk about why am I doing those things. Because when you sit and try and do it yourself, like, you know, all kinds of things come up. You bias yourself the wrong way. And so you need somebody to kind of objectively stand back and kind of help you create that wrapper of who you want to be and then say, great, this is how you go sell that that product to all these other people. Right. right. You know, exactly. Exactly. That's such a perfect way to put it. Um, the pa- I love that packaging piece. It is about creating the 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 brand. Right. And And I think that's something that's been at least in the last five years, an incredible shift in the medical sales industry. Um, and I'm sure everybody listening here, especially if you're on LinkedIn today, you are definitely seeing this in the marketplace, is that it's becoming more important than ever to have a personal brand. And that's one thing I do, I think that you do exceptionally well. So can you talk a little bit about, from your perspective, how the market has evolved and now required people to become greater than a commodity? In this business, because as we like to say, you know, you are a category of one. All it takes is great branding. But otherwise, you know, um, I think the moniker is if you can sell one thing, you can sell anything. But the thing is, actually, when you're known for something specific, like the incredible brand that you've built, Omar, it's um, it's like it'll catch fire for you. So can you talk a little bit about what you've seen? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to kind of prime this because you know, people hear about the importance of having let's say an online presence and all this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it from a, a literally a page from this book that I'm going through. If if you're interested in venture capital, there's one book you should get and it's more of a textbook, but it's uh Mahender uh Ram Singh uh book which is the business of venture capital. And so on getting into venture capital, right, there's uh, – who is it? David Cowan, who's one of the VCs out of Silicon Valley. So we're talking about getting into venture capital, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He even says – I'm reading from here directly. Um, cold calling a venture capital firm rarely works, especially in the modern day. I don't think that approach will work today. The business is much more complex and competitive, warns David. What might work is a web presence. And then they go on to explain that like Union Square Ventures and a few others, like they don't even take resumes. Their thing is just like have a web presence, meaning anything we can go visit via URL, LinkedIn profile, blog, et cetera. Right. So like if that's what it takes to become a venture capitalist, like it's going to be the same for so many other things. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think, you know, uh, the human brain was never designed to separate things. Right. Like the human brain hasn't evolved thousands and thousands of years. So like the digital world that we communicate and work through versus the physical, it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Similarly, all of us have been influenced by uh, by Amazon, Google, but specifically Amazon. So if we're going to mm-hmm. buy something, let's say like for me, I bought a lint. Actually, this is a great example. I bought a lint roller a few months okay. ago, like it's uh-huh. a lint roller. It's just a lint roller, Claire. <laughs> but when I went on Amazon, here's what went into my decision. I'm like, how many reviews does a top lint roller have? How many, like what pictures are there? The, like media, because different things of persuasion that persuade me. So for me, I just want to see lots of reviews and like a few pictures. Some people want to see like videos of other people using it, et cetera. But all of those points of persuasion are on one page. Mm-hmm. And people make those kind of decisions two, three, five, ten times a day as consumers. Do you really think 
that that, let's say, hiring manager becomes a completely different person consciously when they start evaluating people via resumes or LinkedIn. Pro- it's the same thing, which mm-hmm. means if they land on your LinkedIn profile, right, and there's like nothing there, that's not persuasive, right? Mm-hmm. On, you know, on, on the other side of it, like, okay, why is it that we put, we want to have like, you know, big numbers or this is all points of persuasion, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the importance of having a web presence is that why not have that persuasion done, right? The moment somebody goes visits your LinkedIn profile versus you having to apply, you send in the resume, hopefully they look at it, right? And again, like those things are are the same, right? So a lot of people, what they'll do is like they'll spend money to get, uh, you know, help with a resume and that not think about how do you translate that onto LinkedIn. I'm like, well, you have to do all this work still to get this thing that you paid money for on somebody's desk. That needs to be translated online, right? You know? And again, like, you know, I, I feel like the, the time that most people put a resume together is when they're looking for the job, which right. is the wrong time to do. But if you do it at that point, you shouldn't be doing it on your own. You should be mm-hmm. hiring somebody to help you with it because, you know, you can spend mm-hmm. a lot of time figuring that on your own, but who? how long is that going to take you? Are you going to do oh, the yeah. right things? You know? It, rem- it reminds me of um, back I may have, my... I may have, like, not answered your question directly. <laughs> I think I went on a tangent there, but, you no, know. No, that's okay. That's why I love talking to you. You have a ton of insight here. And um, <laughs> it's clear because you've become the king of visibility on LinkedIn in a field that I, – I own that algorithm. I love it. And that's that's so um, – it's it's uh, it's – an art but you know like any great marketing strategy we can't go in it with just one tool in the tool belt it can't just be a resume no yeah it's got to be your networking your linkedin your cover letter your outreach it can't just be going into a physician's office to sell a product and just hoping you're there on the clinic yeah yeah. i mean again yeah exactly look i mean Mm -hmm. i tell people people don't want to hear this but it's the truth like look if if XYZ random, like there's a, there, what did I buy recently from Instagram? Some, something from, from my gym. It was like a $20 decision. Okay. That $20 decision involved like a lot of content. This company retargeted me with different ads. Like it was a social proof ad showing like some, uh, fitness influencer using it. Then there was like, uh, some other ad. And finally I bought, that's to make a $20 decision. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that you need just just a like a basic resume for a hundred thousand dollar decision, which over the span of like three to five years, that's like a three to five hundred thousand dollar decision, right? Right. Not to mention the impact on on the business. So it's like the buying cycle is is so much more complex. People have mm-hmm. changed, the markets have changed, right? It's more, it's just more. Everything's more competitive, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so. so true. Okay, so speaking of that, something that's, you know, emerged now and is just still barely comforting <laughs> to people who are trying to add these different things into their uh, arsenal when they're looking and trying to get more visible for their career. Um, podcasting, podcast guesting. So can you talk a little bit about sort of how you have found this to be a really great maybe visibility multiplier or maybe if they're um, is a, is a threshold that you should reach before even going on a podcast. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, definitely. Like what I would say, uh, I'll use my like mentor from afar's advice, Seth Godin, which is like, pick, pick yourself, like, don't wait for other people, pick yourself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I don't think there's, 
you know, some people, they have this like imposter syndrome, which is like, oh, I need to do a certain amount of things before I'm, I can go on a podcast. If somebody thinks you're good enough to be on their show, that's enough. Right. Yeah. And, and I would say also that you should, you should find ways to just, if you have a great story, if you think you can help people, you should find ways to make your way onto a podcast and share that story. I mean, believe it or not, like on my own show, I'm more interested in interviewing uh, like younger reps who've, let's say, won a presence club or they've, you know, they've hit their, their quota achiever for like a couple years in a row. I'm more interested in interviewing those people than mm-hmm. a lot of CEOs of companies because those people have like new and very tangible and practical advice. And I think that you never we always take uh, for granted the things that we know. And then we, you know, we don't think about how valuable it is. Like there's people who would pay money for that. You know, yes. That's, yes. that's, that's the crazy thing, right? Well, and you mentioned earlier the, the coaching that really has helped you. Um, everyone, I think that was one of the most startling pieces of advice that I got early in my business was get a coach. And I thought a coach, like, well, what exactly for? And like, will that really generate results? And by the way, these coaches are expensive, but every single time that I've hired somebody to coach me in a certain area of my business or life, I've had incredible traction wherever I was trying to get it because I had that sort of spearfishing mentality. Like let's, let's, let's execute that thing. And um, the, the one that you reminded me of was I hired a coach for video and she was, I'm going to guess 10 years younger than I was. And um, it was so refreshing because her approach was like, None other that I had ever heard, and it was so fresh, and she was up to date on all these things I was missing. So I love that you're you're highlighting these people who are early in their career because often they haven't had the chance to go to their twentieth, you know, NSM and learn yeah. the sales strategy that they will only use, and it's just baked in, and that's how they'll always do it. They're still creating and 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 creating their own way. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I hate to say, so our industry, like every industry takes on the psychology of their customer. And the Mm -hmm. psychology of our customer in this industry, let's just say specifically surgeons, that most surgeons um, have pretty big egos. They think they know everything, right? Mm -hmm. And understandably so, I mean, if I have somebody operating on me, I don't want a surgeon who doesn't have confidence. I want, like, in some ways, I want a surgeon with a God complex, yeah, because like I don't want them second guessing themselves. <laughs> but then our industry kind of takes that on, and I I see too often where like it's usually senior leaders where because of somebody's age or experience or whatever they they devalue the advice, you know, or they're like, oh, what am I going to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just such a mistake. And it's funny because like I've dealt with senior leaders like that, and on the on the same token. I have leaders like like Joseph Othman, who is a legend coming out of intuitive surgical. I mean, I, I, the list goes on of like high caliber individuals who have sought me out for advice and paid me for engagements because they're like, you are like, this is something I don't know. And you're good at mm-hmm. this. I need help. Right. I think, the you know, the age thing, the experience, all that matters is results. All that matters. is results. So like, I'll give you a great example. Since, um, when is it? So I'll give you an example. Just again, because I like to use these examples so people can really have tangible things. Mm. Um, since 
August of last year, mm-hmm. I pay $1,500 a month for this group that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. The group gives me access to, um, you know, this library of content that I rarely use, a Telegram uh, messaging app where we're all in there in a group. Every Saturday we have a call and there's a certain topic covered and then there's uh, one-on-ones with the main guy and then we have a quarterly mastermind, okay? Okay. The only thing I use this group for is those Saturday calls, which a lot of them are just like questions to the main guy. And then I go, I fly to Miami for the in-person event. The mm-hmm. guy who runs this is 28 years old. He's almost 10 years younger than me. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Very simply put, he's made more money than me and he's been doing it for a lot longer. Yeah. That's, an, that, that's enough for me to like, yeah, I should listen to this guy. And yeah. and a lot of times people are like, man, you're paying fifteen hundred bucks a month for this. Like, what do you get out of it? A lot of times, some there's some some very tangible things that I've been able to apply to my business. A lot of times it's just, it's the energy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's worth paying money. I think actually oftentimes it's worth paying money to get your mindset and energy changed so you can take radical bold action confidently. Yeah. Right. Right. That's that's the thing. It's like if you're going to go fight, like if you're going to physically fight somebody, right, and you keep getting your butt whooped, right? This took a turn. Yeah, this took a turn. Like, <laughs> keep going. Would, wouldn't you – I mean, aside from learning, let's say, the tactics and strategies of how to fight the stance and everything, don't you also want a coach who's going to kind of instill some confidence in you and mm. kind of like hype you up? Like if you think about the great coaches in football and, and sports and everything, yeah, it's there's strategy and tactics. But a lot of it is they, they instill this level of confidence. Like custom auto with Mike Tyson from the time mm-hmm. that like he was super – if anything, the thing that Cust did for, for, for Mike wasn't just a strategy and coaching him as a boxer. is that he literally instilled in his head. He's like, you are a world champion. From the age of, age of 16 and by the time he was 18 years old, he's world champion, youngest world champion ever. Right? Yeah. That's worth money. You know, a lot of times, you know, and, and I'll, I'll just say this one analogy and I'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of move on, but I tell people whether it's, whether I'm getting coached or I'm helping somebody, right? Coaching, mm-hmm. advising, what do you want to call it? It's kind of like you're in, in your mind, there's a dark room. You're trying to find a light switch. You cannot find it. The coach is going to help guide you, right? Mm-hmm. To, Flip on that light switch, and the sooner you find that switch, you're going to flip it on. You're going to see art. You're going to see books. You're going to see all these things that have always been there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll find that light switch, but because you're distracted by all these different things in your life, like it might take you years, decades, right? That's right. how I like to think about coaching and advising. Yeah. Well, I know um, <laughs> I can't. I can't stop thinking now about like the Elon and Zuckerberg match coming up. I wonder what George St. Pierre has. To say I hope about that. This. I hope that actually happens. Seriously, <laughs> I, I, like there's so much hype now that has to happen. I think it's a. It's now a movement. We're all going to demand it. So um, I think that's a really great point about the the guide, right? So if you, I know one of the things that you're passionate about that I really like is that you're helping people in med tech to leverage social media, to really make inroads with their customer and do it in this new and fresh and uh, approachable way. So when it comes to selling with technology or social media, there are a lot of different kind of coaches and different kind of uh, areas for growth there. So if somebody is ground floor, they've just, you know, um, say they're, say they're a rep, and they've been coached through consultative selling. Hopefully 
maybe even challenger selling, who knows? And they're like, okay, Omar, but where do I start? Like, who is the coach that I need first? Where would you send them? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm biased. I would send them to myself. Well, right. <laughs> you know, so, so, and, and here's, here's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the reason why. Um, I wish, I wish there's other people that I could recommend, but I can't. And the, and the reason why is that this is such a new thing that most mm-hmm. people haven't spent the years that I've put in and the gotten the data quantitatively and qualitative to understand what works and what doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but I think like, you know, uh, the probably the easiest place to start. I mean, if people go to my LinkedIn profile, there's a, there's a mini course that I have and it's, I think it's discounted. They just click the link that's on the top of my profile. They can, they can get access to it. But, you know, I would, I would personally, I would start there. And, and if anything, like, you know, there, there are ways to, I think that every rep, it's to their benefit to say, to try and understand what does it take to get a project implemented in my organization mm-hmm. and to get buy-in and everything, you know, cause those are other ways that I'm able to engage with people. You know, that being said, you know, out, outside of that, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of content, like I, on my own podcast or even on my, on, uh, my Instagram handle, which is a medical sales, it's called all hail medical sales. You mm-hmm. know, you can get a lot of ideas from there, but what I would say is like, at the very least, you can, you gotta ask yourself, okay, do I have access to my customers on a daily basis? No, mm-hmm. weekly, maybe. Okay. Where are they spending most of their time? A lot of them are spending more and more time on LinkedIn and Twitter. Is every physician on there? Absolutely not. But even if you don't have any of your customers, let's say on LinkedIn, there's still a significant amount of physicians in every single category spending time on LinkedIn, posting content, et cetera. Use LinkedIn as a way to digest clinical content, learn about the latest things that are going on, technologies, procedures, approaches. Because then when you talk to your physicians, you have something else to talk about than just pitching your product. Yeah. You know, you have to think, you know, that's the thing that people have to, they, they, there's an art and science behind getting meetings and doing demos. And it can't, it shouldn't be just be about your product. We talk about consultative selling. Nobody, very few people actually do consultative selling in our, in our industry. It's more just pitching products. And yep. so you have to think about it and say, well, this package of me, Jane Doe or Johnny Doe or whoever, um, how do I make this appealing enough that that surgeon, even if they're happy with their product, they're like, yeah, I'm going to spend 30 minutes with this person because I know it'll be a good use of my time because they're entertaining the education. I'm going to get something out of it and everything. I know they're going to pitch my product, but I just want like, I think that'll be a good use of my 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to get to because mm-hmm. like it's on rare occasion that you have just a killer app, a killer product that like people are just like, you know, dying to get a meeting with you. It's it's mm-hmm. rare for that to happen. You know what I mean? Yep. I was talking to Rebecca Kinney on a, a previous episode. Um, if you guys want to check it out, I'll put it in the show notes, but I think it's in the teens. And, um, you know, she mentioned that there aren't a lot of fresh products being created, not as many as there could, but there are a, there is a, a, a large number of Me Too products. And I mean, for good reason and uh, understanding the enterprise sale and how that works, that's great. But you're right. Sometimes it's really not enough to sell on product alone. It's got to either be a really deep understanding of what the pain points are out there. What is there a pain quotient big enough to make someone turn their head to what we have in our bag? Or 
are they going to want to do business with Omar because it's Omar? And of course they are because you put yeah. the time in there, you know? Yeah. yeah and again, like, uh, you know, you're talking about the pain question, like to figure out the pains they're dealing you have to have a conversation with them. You have to. And so like, if they're not interested in your products, how are you going to have a conversation with them? Like, you, you know, this is where these like really cringy tactic comes up of like stalking them in the cafeteria or like, let oh. me go talk to them. Like, you know, there was a time where selling at the scrub sink would work mm-hmm. because the doctor had enough leverage to say, yeah, like, let me use your stuff next case. Like it, it sometimes that works, but it really does. And so you got to think like a little, a lot more creatively of like, where can I create those opportunities for discussion? And then again, would I tell reps all the time, like, okay, let's imagine you're, you walk in the elevator and the surgeon you're trying to sell to is there. You, the elevator gets stuck. Neither of you have Wi-Fi. And so like you're stuck together for like three hours. Like if they, if they just start talking, are you going to just start talking about your product? No. So you got to think of something else interesting to talk about mm-hmm. to demonstrate your knowledge base, et cetera. And a lot of that is like, like there's no magic formula. Like I have people who's, who apply for my course and they want it like for my larger course, the medical sales network effects program, because they're thinking it's going to be like this panacea magic bullet. And I'm like, no, this is, there's like no magic bullet here. It's just, it's a, it's a discipline of how do you keep yourself educated and enough, you know, knowledgeable enough that a surgeon looks at you as close to a peer as possible. And they're willing to talk and open up and say, yeah, you know, these are the pain points I have. This is what I want to do with my practice. And now you actually have something to sell through. And now you know, like, how to actually convert them and change their behavior, you know, right. versus, you know, what what does every rep do? They they finally get a meeting, mainly because the surgeon is just, like, fed up. It's like, let me just take this meeting to get them, like, oh, away from me. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. going to gonna watch you pitch your product. You're going to throw a bunch of stuff up on a slide, hope that something sticks, and then, like, you're going to keep pestering them afterwards, and they're going to ghost you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Like, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. So why why keep doing it, you know? Yeah, that's such a painful way to go. And, you know, in the end, people are people, and they want to work with people they like. And some of my favorite yeah. – uh, some of the favorite things I've heard um, from my reps who uh, – especially those who've gotten up to regional VP level – is that they'll say something like, you know, I've gotten to the point in my career where the surgeon is looking to me for answers in that moment because we can all only know so much. And mm-hmm. so they trust when you when they build that relationship enough through being invested in these people as people, right, um, it t- taking people off of a pedestal investing enough and in doing the research and getting to understand the clinical nature of what you're doing to a point where you can be an incredible asset in that OR and you can break out of this sort of, you know, slimy feel. Like, I think, I think the, the whole idea of uh, the, the scrub sink pouncing on people in the locker room, um, so on and so forth. I mean, it's a big transition, but it's a really important one. So, um, okay. So, Tell me this, if someone wants to find out about one of or, or all of your incredible programs, you mentioned a few of them today, um, where should they go first? Yeah, and I actually just updated this. So uh, it used to be that you had to apply, talk to me or one of the, one of my sales reps, and then you would get into my program. I got into a point where I kind of decided to sort of open up. Uh, and so if you go to my website, Katib Co., that's K-H-A-T-E-E-B as in boy, andco.com 
and uh, look under the webinars. You know, you'll be you'll be able to watch a webinar and you're going to learn a lot from that webinar. But right there, you can actually purchase purchase a course. And for people who watch that webinar, I I incentivize the behavior, so I I actually have it discounted on there. Just FYI, um, so that's one place. Just go to my course uh, or to my website. I think that's like the number one place to go and check it out. And then other than that, like what I really recommend to people to do is like follow my podcast, The State of MedTech. I mean, you there's there's uh, categories on there from venture capital investing to leadership to to sales. And then if you're a rep, and, and I just found it recently, a lot of VPs follow me, which I was kind of surprised to hear. But like on my Instagram handle, all hail medical sales, which is really just sales, uh, tips and motivation and memes. So like a lot of memes. Um, I post a lot of the stories there. I take questions. Go follow me on there, you know, and, and I interact with people a lot, you know, awesome. so like awesome. it's not, it's not hard to find me on the internet, you know. Oh. Good. And you know what, guys, Will, for everybody listening today and, and watching, thank you so much for joining us. I'll make sure that we link to everything Omar mentioned in the show notes to this episode that, so you could find those super easy because if there's one person to follow, uh, to use as a, um, in, in person or a far mentor, is that what you, what a you mentor, term? mentor, yeah, mentor from afar, mentor from yeah. Afar. I like yeah. that. Um, you know, it's definitely Omar. He's doing big things in this industry, guys, and making it a lot of fun, too. I'm sure you can tell. Um, yeah. And so, Omar, so appreciative of the time you've shared Absolutely. with us today. And hopefully we can do a round two here in the future. I know you have a ton to share and new stuff coming out all the time. But we really appreciate you being with here, being with us here today. Absolutely, Claire. It was such a, such a blast. I'd love to come back. And, yeah, always appreciate what you're doing. And, again, if your audience isn't doing it already, like, I do recommend that they follow your stuff, too, because – your content is great. I always learn from it. So I hope they're doing the same thing. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, we've got to stick, uh, we've got to stick together in this crazy industry. So uh, yeah, totally. thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for being here today. We so appreciate every single one of you who joined us for this episode. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up in the DMs. And until next week, have a wonderful one. Thanks, Omar.